When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Childhood nutrition plays a vital role in future health and well-being of our kids, but unfortunately, it's not always smooth sailing. How can you tell if toddlers and preschoolers have dietary sensitivities or other issues, and how can you handle them? Today on Parent Savers, we're talking with Lindsay Hurd, a registered dietitian and lactation consultant, about sensory and dietary issues in children. This is Parent Savers. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Would you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome, everybody, to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from the newborn years through kindergarten. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out. And thanks also to those who are listening for the first time. As you may know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. I've got Aaron fidgeting over there in case you guys can hear it. It's okay. It breaks up the monotony of the (laughs) boilerplate stuff we do at the beginning each time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app. It's available in the Android and iTunes Marketplace and for Windows Phone, so you can automatically have access to all the great parenting advice and conversation we have on Parent Savers every week. Let's start today's conversation about sensory and dietary issues by introducing all of us that are in the room. I will start with myself. My name's Johnner, as many of you know who've listened before. I have three boys, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and an almost three-year-old, and I would definitely say that they have dietary issues. I'm not sure about the sensitary issues part, and I'm not sure if the issues part is more legitimate issues or me not liking what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Jane. Hi, I'm Jane. I am a stay-at-home mom, and I have a little boy, Caden, who is a little over two years old. I'm Gina. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have a little boy who's uh, 26 months or two years old. Perfect. And I am Erin Estevez, um, otherwise known as OG Mamacita. And I have one boy who is two and a half. And Lindsay is joining us via Skype. Lindsay, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Lindsay Hurd, and I am a dietitian and lactation consultant. And I uh, work for myself. Um, my business name is Angel Food Lactation and Nutrition. So I provide uh, uh, nutrition and lactation consults for clients in Wilmington, North Carolina. And also provide Skype counseling for um, really anyone throughout the country. Uh, and so do that mainly for nutrition services, but also some related to lactation. Well, great. Thanks for joining us. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file.
Before we jump into today's topic, from time to time on Parent Savers, we look at news headlines, and it's a topic that's in the news that we think is noteworthy to parents. And this one is um, noteworthy, especially to parents, I think, with older kids, but really any parent that has any sympathy or compassion. Um, And it's a story that we got actually um, today on the day we're recording it, um, so it's pretty current um, here in May of 2014, about a mom that paid off every student's balance following the denial of a school lunch to her son. And this woman named Amanda Keown uh, got a call um, in Dowagiac, Michigan, and I definitely pronounced that wrong. Anyway, it's in Michigan. And he told his mom that he hadn't gotten his hot lunch that day because he had an outstanding balance. And I think it was something like his account owed five bucks and he only had two bucks that day. Um, and so then the school wouldn't give him. Um, in fact, they threw his lunch down the trash and then they put his name on a board along with those of his other peers that were delinquent in the lunch. And so then, Jane, you read this article too. What did the mom do after that? So the mom ended up uh, paying for her son as well as the other 19 delinquent kids' accounts um, to make sure that... And it was about 200 bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was about $200 that she paid um, out of her pocket uh, to make sure that all the kids could get a lunch. And this was a single mom. Single mom working two jobs. So it definitely was, yeah. you know, it was a hardship. Well, but the outrage, of course, is like, what's the school thinking? I know. That's, like, yeah. posting that stuff. Well, a lot of the comments that are made on the article, is they're blaming the parents, saying that they need to be the ones responsible to make sure that their accounts are up to date. But, you know, we have uh, five billion things to keep track of. We have we can only have so many calendar reminders. And, you know, frankly, it's not that we aren't considering the nutrition or health of our children. It's just that when we drop the kid off at school, I mean, I personally remember getting dropped off at school so many times without lunch money. And it having just been an oversight. I think this, and even maybe to apply it just to overall parenting, it kind of just goes down to when there is a problem, how are we going to do? What's the appropriate way to deal with the problem? And if it's a problem that kids aren't having their lunches, it's not really an appropriate way, A, to just waste the food and throw it away, or B, to publicly try to shame these kids. And I think that that is also an example that that adults need to set for kids on how they can appropriately deal with issues. Not Mm -hmm. to say that it's not an issue and the kids shouldn't be current, but how can we best deal with that so that we're not teaching kids the wrong thing? I agree. Mm-hmm. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Today's topic on Parent Savers is sensory and dietary issues in children. Today we're talking with Lindsay Hurd, um, who's going to tell us all about the topic. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. 
So I think I know, but we'll probably get into them later, some of the dietary issues, but I'm also intrigued by sensory issues. So what are sensory issues to food? Yeah, so we find that some children, um, you know, just have a heightened sensitivity to certain tastes and smells, um, even the touch of food, so the actual feel of the way food uh, fills in their mouth. Uh, And so we're finding that, you know, some children have a, a difficult time in kind of processing um, all these signals that are sent to their brain from these different senses and, um, you know, it makes them kind of more susceptible to food preference and, and food pickiness, if you will. And um, so we're kind of finding that, you know, this is becoming, um, you know, an abundant um, process, uh, you know, within our, our smaller children. And so where do these come from? We're kind of not completely sure. You know, we're finding that, um, you know, really once babies are born, we're seeing some of these signs uh, very early on, whether they have a difficult time um, feeding at the breast, whether they just get very disorganized or get very upset quickly. Um, you know, they may uh, respond, uh, you know, I guess in a, in a worse way to a lot of stimulus. So, you know, if they're in a room full of um, adults talking and there's a whole lot of noise going on. They could shut down a lot more quickly than other children. So we're really seeing this happen uh, earlier than um, than our our, ch- our children that are um, you know able to to voice their opinion and their feelings. Jane is shaking her head. She's just nodding constantly, <laughs> like ticking off boxes. <laughs> yep. So you experienced that early on with Caden? I did. Uh, from birth, he never latched. Um, he has been diagnosed with um, sensory processing disorder. And mostly his um, sensory issues are definitely food. Uh, touch is an issue. And now auditory is an issue for him loud sounds, uh, different sounds bother him. Um, And it started at birth. How did you identify that early on as a problem? Mm -hmm. I actually, I think I was in denial until about 10 months. Um, I wasn't able to latch, so I pumped. Um, But once we started doing the solid foods was when we started noticing the issue. He was taking purees fine, but he wouldn't take any solid food. And when we got in, him into PT for some other related issue, um, she referred us to an OT. And she said, yes, he has sensory processing disorder because he didn't want to touch anything. He didn't mm. like grass. He didn't like sand. He didn't want to be anywhere on the floor. Wow. Um, so that's where we started that whole process. And it's been a long journey. Two years. <laughs> wow. So is it common then, like you were saying, if, if you're going to see it, it's going to happen like from the get-go, or is this something that children can kind of acquire as they, as they age? It's like a scale. You know, there are some that experience things uh, more drastically versus others. So I think that you may very likely be able to see it early on. However, it could take until the child is able to voice, you know, what's going on in, in his body or in his mind um, to be able to really put the pieces together. Because so often we hear, you know, babies have different behaviors and, and, you know, we may find that, um, you know, baby's not latching. Well, maybe that's associated with something else. And so we often try and find something that we can fix or that we can put our hands on um, kind of within the moment to, uh, you know, resolve the issues for the family and for the mom and baby. So oftentimes things that may be a signal for this, um, 
you know, we're not really picking up on that. Um, and just, you know, this is all very new to us as practitioners, so we're really learning about how uh, we can help these families. And, and our, our families are really our best teachers. So, um, you know, we're very, very grateful for all the, the pieces and, um, you know, uh, symptoms and signs that our families see. I know that a lot of the families that I've talked to um, who have had issues have also talked about tongue tie and lip tie having um, problems with latching. And for some reason, that seems to be associated with sensory issues, Hmm. sensory kids, too. It's a midline defect that um, kids have. Because in my own experience, my son was tongue tied. And he, I have noticed that he does have sensory issues with some food. And that also happened when we started introducing solid foods. You know, avocado will set off his gag reflex. But banana will set off my gag reflex, too. So I just thought, oh, okay, no big deal. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, um, he tends to, to start chewing food and then spit it out, almost like it's too much for his mouth. So we're seeing that, you know, kind of the neurological aspect is playing a role with this. So the the signals from our senses to our brain kind of gets mixed up with sensory processing disorder. So things can, um, we can perceive them as one way, but yet to a child with this disorder, things could be completely out of whack or thrown off. Um, So it's almost like, you know, trying to walk down a road. Um, you know, to get to your destination, and then you see a road close sign, and then you have a hard time thinking, okay, do I turn right or do I turn left? What do I do? And, um, you know, whereas to someone without this disorder, they would easily be able to kind of reroute themselves. Well, I think that that's, I mean, as we're talking about just this at the very high level, perception is like the ultimate personal thing. And we're talking about young kids, and how do you get tuned into their perception being different? And then figuring out what to do, especially, you know, as you said, Lindsay, because so much parenting advice that we do get is, oh, every kid's different. Right. Like, oh, well, it's not always going to happen at the same time. And so wait. So but your radar goes off, right? That there's just something that's off. Yeah. 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 I mean, I asked, for example, I, I asked my my husband's family and my family if anybody had a history of, of spitting food out, you know, because it's just it's odd. It just struck me as odd. And nobody had. And Jane and I were talking about it, and she's the one that mentioned to me about the possible sensory being linked to the tongue tied. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah. So now it's kind of like somebody gave you a pair of glasses, and suddenly you can see things in all of these little little quirks that I had passed off as something or nothing now just kind of add to the the idea that I have to take these things always into consideration. And Gina, you're sitting there shaking your head. Yes, this time. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I was always, I'd always be like kind of jealous because my friends' kids were like 10 months old eating a banana and right. we're vegan. And I'm like, dude, you should be eating bananas, watermelon, like all these things. Like we're vegan. Come on. Yeah. And um, I, w- I would be like, here, try this. And he would gag, spit it out, throw it. And I'd be like in tears, you know. So I tried the solids. He did the solids. I tried, you know, every single fruit and vegetable possible. Mm-hmm. And he still hates, like, big pieces of fruits and vegetables. And so for me, it's really just learning what, how to get it in him yes. the right way. So we do a lot of pureeing and the Vitamix and a lot of green smoothies. And, um, you know, I just try to get to what he likes and if he likes it then that's pretty much in everything but it's it's really difficult because you're trying to figure out 
what works for you and you hear these other people say like well my kid eats you know kale right you know (laughs) kale salad and you're like okay well that's great because my kid's eating pasta every day (laughs) (laughs) quinoa pasta but you know if my kid has beans and rice again (laughs) yeah so i mean i guess it never like now that i'm hearing people talk more about the sensory I guess it never really crossed my mind that that was a big issue for him. I just thought, oh, he's really picky, and he is a very picky eater, um, and he nursed well. He's always nursed well. We're still nursing, and that's, you know, to me, that's great. I feel like he's still getting nutrition that way, and um, I work really hard to feed him well, but he will gag and spit stuff yeah. out if it's, like you said, if it's too big of a bite, he'll spit it out. So my biggest thing is I will shred our vegetables in this shredder thing that I have, mm-hmm. uh, the Salad Master Shredder, and I will cook those up really soft. And he will eat turnips, parsnips. Oh, wow. Um, all wow. these things that I'm, like, watching him like a hawk, seeing, like, okay, he's not going to eat this. And he'll be, like, devour mm. it. Yeah, he's, like, so good, Mommy. And I'm, like, crossing my fingers. <laughs> I'm, like, yes, I did it. But it's just figuring out. I think the thing is is figuring out what works for your family and not comparing your kids to other kids, especially if you know these have they have these little quirks and issues because you're just going to find yourself always feeling down that your child's not good enough or, not you know, being fed well yeah, enough. Not, like you're not a good mother or something like that. And it's just, it's like the mommy wars thing internally and you yes. just don't need that. Well, I'm wondering, talking nutritionally, I'm sorry, John, I've just like taken over. That's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> I guess for for moms like us, the nutrition aspect is huge. And, you know, I joked about it, but it's true. If my kid could eat beans and rice for every meal, he would be super pleased. And, you know, he has this very finite list of foods that he will willingly eat. That's my son, too. And it's in when he sees new food, he freaks the F out. He doesn't it doesn't even have to be on his plate. Right. He just sees new foods. So I'm wondering to everyone at the on the panel and Lindsay, how how do you, do you experience that? Have you experienced it? And if so, how do you deal with it? Yeah, so I think um, you know, speaking from a professional angle, we really find that consistency is so important and even really with children without a sensory processing disorder. This is a very common scenario and and in my work and doing pediatric counseling, it's literally in every conversation I have with families, regardless of why they're there. Um, so I really think that just across the board, this is a very common um, discussion uh, that I have with families. And I think that the big thing and, and the story I just heard, I love how you really played on his interest and his likes and, and you found success. You know, yes, he may not be eating a raw kale salad with a garlicky spread, but you know, he's still getting good nutrients and, and those components from food, but in a way that's tolerable to him. And I think that that's the key is trying to find the way that it can be pleasurable and enjoyable for them, but yet they're able to continue to expand their palate with flavors. Because as they get older and they're able to think a little bit more about um, the foods that they're eating and they have the ability to kind of choose and make reasonable choices and some will argue this takes to your 20s, but that's another topic altogether. But they really will have the palate to appreciate a variety of foods, whereas 
if they get to the point where mentally they're able to kind of move past some of their sensory um, issues, then at that point they have such a bland palate because they have eaten foods that, you know, maybe within their tin. And, and for most children, that's like the French fries, the chicken fingers, the mashed potatoes, you know, those very bland foods. And, and um, when they do begin to expand, you know, on what they're eating, the foods are so strong and, and they're so different that their taste buds kind of have a, um, you know, a moment of panic when they experience all these flavors. And so I think, you know, in really accommodating, um, you know, like I said, their their consistency preferences or their placement of foods on their plate, um, you know, the time of day, all the presentation of the food, all that's so important. So what I'm getting from this is that we should we shouldn't overthink things and we should be okay with feeding them the way they're happy, the way they're willing to eat. And as they age and as we grow with this experience, we'll be able to figure things out better. Is is that yeah. what Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're not too hard on ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And I think to continue to offer foods, even if they spit it out or turn it down, all that's a part of the process of um, tolerating something and uh, really learning about the taste and all the senses of that food. So I think to continue to offer it, get them involved in the kitchen, have them help so that when they see it on their plate, they don't have that freak out moment. They're you know, there when you buy it at the grocery store, they're a part of the choosing process. Do you want broccoli or cauliflower tonight? Um, both of those foods may be something that they don't like, but to have the opportunity to um, select a food is very helpful. And then, you know, and being a part of the preparation process, it's all very good thing. Yeah, that's one of the things that frustrates us because our five-year-old is like the best helper in the world. He loves to go to the store. He loves to pick things out. He loves to cook everything. But the moment it comes to even thinking about eating that stuff, no, 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 no. Like, oh, no, no, no. That, I'm not making that for me. <laughs> like, I'm happy to help, but he doesn't want anything to do with the food. But mm-hmm. but a lot of the feedback that we've been given too is just he'll be fine, just kind of let it go. I, yeah, and we keep, don't want to force food on him. I so. just keep telling myself this – the likelihood of this child starving to death right. is minimal. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. All right, we actually need to take a quick break, um, and we'll come back. There's still a ton of stuff to cover, and we'll cover as much of it as we can, including food allergies, maybe some acid reflux, and even natural remedies that we can do besides just let it be. All right, we'll be right back. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. Today, we're talking about sensory and dietary issues in children with Lindsay Hurd. So let me ask the big question that a lot of people, when we talk, when you talk about food issues, and I feel like this always comes up topic, and I'd be interested in hearing your perspective, but why do you think there are, are more food allergies now, or are there even? Is this something that's more common now, or are we just more tuned into it? So I think this is the, the big million-dollar question that many practitioners are um, you know, doing lots of research and work towards finding out the exact cause. And we have definitely a handful of theories that, um, you know, we perceive as being potential contributors of, of the increased rates of allergies. Um, I think a lot of it is awareness. 
um, just with all other uh, situations, the more we know about it, the more we say, hey, you know what, I think that I may be dealing with this too. And and so now, you know, oh, maybe I'm allergic to cow's milk. And so I removed that component from my diet um, and then, you know, move forward having the perception that I'm allergic to that food. And so I think the awareness is, is definitely um, up as, as well as the race. You know, I think... Um, we can talk about it in a few moments as some of those theories, but definitely more people are um, aware of the sensitivities that they have. Uh, I think that an important point to make is the difference between a food sensitivity and a true food allergy. And I think that a lot of folks are really kind of mixing those two terms up so that uh, we're finding that, you know, the allergy rates are increasing. However, some people may just be sensitive to a certain food. Um, and, and, you know, sensitivities kind of come and go. And that's not an allergy? And so sensitivity is not allergy? It's not a true allergy. So okay. an allergy would be an immune response um, from the body. So we would perceive the what's called antigens from proteins in that food as harmful, and our body would in return uh, produce antibodies to kind of help fight off um, those antigens. So it's kind of like a, an allergic response almost in our body, whereas some foods that we may be sensitive to um, could just cause mainly um, GI distress. So whether it was uh, diarrhea, constipation, um, bloating, gas, all of those things, um, sometimes they can just be due to a sensitivity, not necessarily an, an immune response. It's more of a run to the bathroom versus a run to the emergency room. Right. Got it. Yeah, so, yeah. Good, I mean, well, yeah. I think that the terms are misused. They're yes, not really fully understood because if I would have been asked to describe allergy, it'd, oh, something that irritated or they don't have a good reaction to. But that's a good breakdown. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you about this one. And our doctor said this one was weird. Our two-year-old is, we say, he, we've been told allergic to eggs. Maybe it's just sensitive. But he literally cannot touch an eggshell oh, wow. or a raw egg or he breaks out in a rash. That's external. No, that's an allergy. That's an allergy. That's an allergy. That's, but that's, but what they've encouraged us to do is, you know, keep putting in stuff that you cook. Yeah. And let him eat it, mm-hmm. but just don't let him touch it. Well, it depends though, because it depends on how sensitive he is. Yeah. Because my son is severely allergic to eggs. Okay. Uh, we just got allergy testing done for him, and our allergist gave him a half strength test yeah. of aller- of egg protein. And he tested 15 out of 25 on half strength. And my allergist said, I don't even want to know what his reaction would be. Mm-hmm. So the, the allergy means that the welt the, from the skin prick was yeah. 15 millimeters wide, wow. which is big for a yeah. food allergy reaction. And that was only at half strength. So he can't touch it. He right. can't be near it. He can't eat any baked goods. Got it. Yeah, nothing. That's the, yeah. He can't eat anything with eggs in it at all. Because there are there are forms of treatment that that introduce the allergen, right? In in, in like micro, you know, micro doses to mm-hmm. build up a, an an immunity for it. Yeah. But then there are other instances where because the sensitivity is so extreme that even a micro dose can cause anaphylaxis, mm-hmm. anaphylactic shock. Yeah. I had an experience uh, right after I had my son. I developed allergies to nuts, which was horrible because I'm vegan and I was eating nuts like 
crazy. A mad woman. I was nursing. So I was like, yeah, good fats, eating nuts by the handfuls. And um, my throat actually was like closing. Like I was like gasping for air and I was like, what's going on? So my friend's mom is a nurse and she's like, oh, just take some Benadryl Mm -hmm. or some antihistamine. So I I started keeping them in my diaper bag and my nursing bag, wherever I I was. And I would take them. um, But it was just randomly and it was only certain nuts and I couldn't remember which ones. But after I had gone to the chiropractor a couple times and got adjusted, they started dying down. Interesting. So I don't have them anymore. Thankfully, I can eat whatever nuts. My son doesn't have any nut allergies, but I just thought it was really strange that I had developed these allergies after, like, what... what I mean, My birth wasn't traumatic, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, most people birth yeah. isn't, you know, it's not, a, it's not a day at the spa. <laughs> no, it's not. But, you know, I, I think because of what my body went through and your system changes after mm-hmm. you have a baby. Um, but I just found that really, really strange. And I was yeah. like, I'd never heard of anything like that. I've never thought that could adult, happen. Adult onset allergies. Yeah, yeah. And so I was dying because like, I love peanut butter. I ate peanut butter through my whole pregnancy. I wasn't one of the people who didn't want to do it. But, um, yeah, it was it was difficult and strange, and I thought that was weird. So maybe. So have you noticed any of these allergic tendencies or sensitivities in your child? He has eczema and keratosis pilaris, and not through nuts. But I notice if he eats a lot of processed foods, mm-hmm. then his skin will get really bad. Like he, his eczema will pop up more. His keratosis pilaris will pop up more. Um, so I notice if we like mainly breads and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So if we cut out gluten and do more gluten-free stuff, his skin will look really nice and he won't have any itching. But if he starts up and eats more processed foods, more frozen foods, like if we're out and right. we decide to do that, um, his skin will get bad. And then I, I kind of tell my husband, yeah, we, you know, we need he's, to cut back. Yeah, he's eating too much junk food. We need to get more veggies and fruits, more good fats in there for him. Um, but yeah, and it's it's. He never has anything too crazy happen other than just the skin issues, which tells me that if he had more abundance of that food, what else could happen? So so here's what I hear in that story, though, that you went to the chiropractor and it sort of (laughs) worked some things out. Well, and so like from a natural perspective of like, you know, what are some other things or things like that alternatives that you that maybe folks can try out, Lindsay? Yeah, so I think that it brings up a great point, and and for me, a lot of this begins in the gut of the moms, uh, particularly, and and really over multiple generations. You know, we're finding that um, in some of our modern um, medicine, and as as also um, like with the um, the water system we have now, even of course, it's done so, such wonders on our um, you know death rates and and the infectious diseases that we have and all that, you know, we're grateful for the for the water system we have. But in purifying so many things in our environment, it's really throwing off the what we call microbiome within our body. So all the really good bacteria that lives within our body. Yeah. Eat the food off the floor. Build up the immunity. That's what we're saying, right? Yeah. Not exactly. Not but. Exactly, but. <laughs> but close. It, yes, yeah. it is close. And also in protecting mom's guidance and helping her to um, kind of foster a good environment for that bacteria to grow. We do need to wrap up the conversation, but I think that there might be enough information to maybe have Lindsay back on sometime. I agree. Again, there's so much <laughs> stuff. But Gina, Jane, Lindsay, anything you want to make sure we talk about with the dietary issues or sensitivity? I just want to know if they can outgrow them. Like, if they can outgrow them, if they're going to, if my kid's ever going to eat a fruit, yeah, <laughs> is I what know. I want to know. <laughs> Will my kid eat a apple. <laughs> I can tell you from personal yes. experience, yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. He did start eating broccoli, so that's a win. And I'm like, we're putting broccoli in everything. But yeah, so what, will they ever eat a, a variety Normally, of items, yeah. not just, you know... The pasta, five, the five things. Pasta with pureed <laughs> kale, because that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, so I think the continuous exposure is so important. Even if they don't touch it, always offer it. Always have You can even put it in a side little ramekin next to their plate. Just always have it visible. Always have it available. Never make a big deal out of it. Um, just let it be kind of what it is. It's food. It's something we can choose to eat or not choose to eat. The, the way that adults can contribute is to always have that available so that the children have the opportunity um, to. And then also, you know, like with the smoothies and, and blending the food together, you're you're offering them the opportunity to build a palate towards that food. Um, so I think that's always very helpful. And then in terms of the allergies, I would say really working on the good um, gut bacteria, whether that's from probiotics or from, um, you know, fermented foods, uh, like kefir is a good example, um, and, uh, you know, really fostering that, that healthy bacteria um, with, with good probiotics. And then also um, fiber-rich foods, which feeds those good bacteria, um, can really help the sensitivities and allergies to pass on. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. And like I said, I think we might have to do a little more digging into this topic for sure. Tons of stuff. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. For more information about sensory and dietary issues in children or more information about any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. The conversation will continue for members of our Parent Savers Club after the show. Lindsay's going to tell us about nutrition therapy. For more information about the Parent Savers Club, visit parentsavers.com. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hey, Parent Savers, this is Sunny. I'm one of the producers on the show. Today we have a funny parenting oops story to share with you. This is a great segment we have here on Parent Savers where you guys get to tell us your craziest parenting stories, the crazy things that happen to you, and we get to laugh. <laughs> but we're laughing with you, not at you. So this story comes from Christine, and Christine says... Our daughter was playing in the living room when she saw her daddy come out of the bathroom. She got really excited and squealed with delight. She kept saying, ooh, ooh. Moments later, I heard daddy grunt in pain. When I found out what happened, I couldn't stop laughing. Apparently, he forgot his towel in the bedroom, so he was pretty much naked coming out of the shower. And as with all children, they get pretty curious when they see naked bodies. And she grabbed her daddy in the nuts. So you can imagine what pain he was going through. After that, he learned he'll never forget his towel again. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much for sending this in. If you guys have a funny parenting oops you want to share with us and all of our listeners, please either send us an email, you can comment on our Facebook page, or you can call our voicemail at 619-866-4775. That wraps up today's episode of Parent Savers. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, the boob group for moms who breastfeed, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. 
Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.